The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests as individuals, and do not necessarily reflect those of advertisers or sponsors. This show is intended as education and commentary only. The producers strive for verisimilitude, but nothing said on this podcast should be taken as fact by the listener or viewer without performing due diligence. While generally safe for work, some language may be considered offensive by more sensitive viewers or listeners. Alright, cans on, mic's up, level's good. You got me over there? Alright, let's roll. This is Booth to Booth, your direct line to the latest in home voiceover production. With your favorite home VO experts throughout the industry, across the internet, and all around the world. Booth to Booth is brought to you by the Narrowband Broadcast Network, NBBN. The focus is on you. By Andrew Scott Media, making your media matter. By Booth Stuff, unique VO fashion and swag that's as loud and proud as you are. And by the kind support of our viewers and listeners all around the world via Kofi. Kofi, helping you give back to the creators that help you the most. The session clock is running and all the mics are hot. So let's patch in and get this session started. Here's your host, VO coach, narrator, and producer, Andrew Scott. And hello and welcome back to Booth to Booth. I am your host, Andrew Scott, and today I am really excited to present two people that uh, really work together as a content creation and creative team, but also have their own standalone practices in voiceover and voice acting and narration. And they have come out with a new project that I am kind of quietly obsessed with. And uh, it, it's going to be an absolute blast to talk to these two wonderful performers and producers. I'm going to be talking with April Grace Lowe and Craig Yesen. How are you guys doing today? April and Craig, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here and we're doing great. Um, it's just such an honor to be able to showcase voiceover, acting, narrating, and um, it's been a big part of both of our careers. And uh, so thank you so much. Uh, it's absolutely a treat. And Craig, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm here next to my favorite person and, uh, you know, working on <laughs> well, stuff. Well, that, that's my really new favorite convenient. person. On, on the, yeah. And then also April, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, April too. I hear she's great. She's great. Yeah. Um, you guys are both voice actors uh, separately and, and producers separately. And then you also, and this is something that's really uh, interesting to me because this is something that I also offer. You guys are uh, kind of unique in the voiceover world in that you work together as a team for narration as well on certain projects. And if it if it calls for a male and female duo uh, going back and forth, either in dialogue or, uh, or, you know, doing chapter by chapter. And that's something that I've often found is kind of a is kind of a rarity in our business. And, you know, I mean, part of it is because not everybody is blessed with a partner that is working at their level. Uh, but you guys, you've done hundreds of audiobooks, both separately and together. Um, and and I, I find your, in having looked through both your CVs a little bit, um, you guys are all over the place and like 
the best possible way. How did how did each one of you kind of get into voice acting? Well, I was doing stand-in work and um, a lot of like background work in New York, and I was my background is in theater, so I was doing that work to try and um, supplement when I was on stage and doing you know plays and things like that, and so it was a way to make money uh, and. I started to feel it was kind of soul sucking and I didn't want to do it anymore. And I went out Mm -hmm. to lunch with a friend of mine who was from the same theater program. Uh, We both went to Southern Oregon university, little shout out to the Northwest. Right. um, She had been working, doing voiceover and doing audiobooks, And she sent me an email that was like, probably 40 pages long on microphones and ACX and um, different resources and YouTube links and things like that. And I really credit her being like, you don't need to do background and stand-in work. You should take all your acting skills and and, uh, get a booth in your closet. (laughs) Even down to like the closet stuff. That was was all her. And um, I started just dabbling in ACX and trying to see what kind of auditions I could get. And uh, we had a little blue snowball mic. (laughs) And uh, when I go back and listen to some of those early recordings, I'm like, oh boy, I was really uh, just feeling my way through it. But uh, everybody's beginnings are always cringy. Yeah. (laughs) So that was how I got started. And then um, slowly worked into getting an agent and then, through the agent also started to get voiceover auditions. And, um, and so that was kind of my work into just climbing up, just diving in and learning the process as I went and then realizing that I love, I love it. That's a good reason to stick. Craig, how about you? (laughs) Yeah. She, it was, that was, um, gosh, 11 years ago now. Um, and I kind of credit, Two, I mean, our, our friend uh, Jessica was this encyclopedia of knowledge to get started. And then uh, pretty early on in, in that first year, I got picked up by uh, B-Audio, which is a um, company out of Ashland, Oregon. And yep. that initial process was what got us to the engineering place that we needed to be as far as getting the booth up to the proper specs. And and because mm-hmm. um, when we, you know, coming from theater, we just had no zero background in um audio engineering and uh uh yeah so so and you can you can think your sound is good but if you're listening to it in your own room with your own room tone you never really get a sense of it yeah yeah and and not only that but we fall into this mesmerized place when we finally hear our voice recorded and amplified and maybe sweetened a little bit, you know, the first time you actually get a compressor right and you go, Ooh, I sound really cool. (laughs) Um, but the thing that they don't tell you is that after two hours of sitting there editing, you, you can't hear yourself anymore and you can't hear your environmental problems and you can't hear that reflection and you can't hear that plosive. And so, yeah, that's a really rude awakening for a lot of beginning audiobook narrators. They do a great demo, they get it out, they get some interest and some traction, and then they got to do the work Mm -hmm. and they really aren't as prepared for it as they should be. So I was glad to hear that 
you guys made it through that process. We sound like we're pretty contemporary. I've been doing this for about a decade now, full-time as well. And that first year of all those ACX rejections coming back for your RMS is out of whack. And what was that noise? Was that a baby or a cat? That, you know, it happens and it happens to almost everybody. Um, I'm interested to know, were you guys intentional in audiobook work? I mean, obviously that was your inroad as provided to you by, by your friend, but was that where you were visualizing yourself or did you have aspirations for something else like commercial narration or explainer or, or things like that? Or were you just like, no, audiobooks are my jam? Well, I've been on kind of a, a circle, I'd say, with it because I uh, was intentional with audiobooks from the beginning. And, and just the idea of getting to play all the roles and getting to flesh out a story uh, really spoke to me. And then when I started doing more voiceover commercial work, I just loved how in and out of the booth it was, how quick, oh, uh, yeah. you know, and that was a real seduction. I was like, oh, I don't want to get back. The quick nature of that, yeah. yeah. I don't want to get like, back oh, and read a whole marathon. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I can go do yoga now. This totally, is great. Totally, totally. <laughs> so that started to, but then there was a, uh, maybe just the, philosophical dilemma or the ethical dilemma of like selling things started to really eat at me. And I started to feel like, oh, I don't want to sell plastic surgery. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't feel good about that actually. <laughs> and um, so then I, I have kind of moved more just back into audiobooks because I, I in my heart, I'm a storyteller and, uh, and I like that. And so um, I'm not really doing as much commercial voiceover work as I was, you know, I, it was a time when I was really going after it and I've just kind sure. of backed off and decided to just do audiobooks or, um, the, the film projects that we kind of put together. And, you know, I think that that's a really significant thing for people, uh, our viewers and listeners to take into consideration is that, you know, when you're starting out, any job sounds like a good job, any job sounds exciting to do, but you do get if you're gaining some level of success, you do get pushed to a point where you really step back and you, you, you question, is this what I want my voice to be offering, to be doing? Um, you know, and I, I have in a uh, part of my book, uh, I tell about this, this client that I had in a different part of the world that I colloquially refer to as somewhere Stan, um, where it was an incredible amount of money. It was an absolutely mind-boggling amount of money. And then I read the copy and I went, there is no way in hell I am going to, because everything now lives forever digitally. uh, There's no way in hell that I'm, I don't care how much the money is. I'm not going to put my voice to that. I won't Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was obviously a big glaring ethical thing, but it really does come down at times to, do I want my voice selling, you know, car warranties? Do I feel good about that? Mm-hmm. And it might be a bit of a luxury to get to that point where you can say, no, I don't really feel good about that. So I'm going to pass on this work. But, um, you know, Craig, how did you, you know, we, we kind of know how you got in, but were, were you always drawn to law enforcement narration or were you kind of, kind of either aiming for or hoping for something different? That's a, that's, it's a good question. I think that for me, uh, as an actor, the part that I, I sort of, you know, I, I I loved acting, went to school for it, and then realized, oh shit, you have to audition. 
And uh, right. <laughs> I'm an introvert, and I don't, I don't like going out and meeting people. And, and, and Power to the introverts. <laughs> we were we, so made for 2020. We, we had our day in 2020, <laughs> and they took it, they took it from us. Right. Um, so for, for me, what you know, uh, there's a lot of things that I love about the art and the craft of narrating an audiobook, but I also love not having to audition. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, 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 uh, April was, was hustling for a while doing voiceover. And I was looking at, I was like, you know, I, I would rather, you know, instead of spending eight hours doing auditions, I would rather just spend eight hours recording a book. And there you know, you go. I, I get that, you know, for you, your, your vocal cords had less of a tax, um, at the end of the day, but you know, I, I, I like getting in and just, uh, being there with the story and, and, uh, living in it. And I think there's something to be said for the relationships that you build when you're doing audiobook. I mean, I think you build relationships oh, yeah. when you're doing voiceover work too, but there's something about the intimacy of working with an author and telling their story and um, it's, being it's, their voice. Yeah. It's yeah. Different. No, I find that to be probably the most powerful connection that I get in voiceover is understanding and really, really taking in the fact that this person who has contracted me for this business thing is actually doing it because they want me to tell their stories for them and they want me to be their voice. And that's actually, it's kind of heavy at times. It, it makes you feel a level of responsibility that you don't feel when you're doing Sunday, 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 Great Lakes drag away <laughs> Union Grove, Wisconsin. Um, I, that was one of my very first VO gigs back in the day. You need to buy a whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Um, it's a different game. And it's interesting, you know, so many of us, I don't know hardly anybody who is exclusively audiobooks or exclusively commercial narration because there are so many points that overlap. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, those people who spend a lot of time in the trenches of audiobook work are special people because as, as you said, April, uh, and, and Craig, you referenced it as well, the joy of storytelling. And the the intimacy that comes from being someone carrying this great vessel of a story and helping people experience it and making it be immersive for them and being that intimate voice, that's a powerful thing. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be in this world as well. Uh, I'm a lifelong storyteller myself and getting paid for it most of the times just feels kind of like a bonus. You know, I didn't, I didn't, if you asked me to read this for you, I'd read it for you. You don't have to pay me. Oh, you're going to pay me. Okay. <laughs> so, um, speaking of the, the, the storytelling aspect, I'm interested to know from both of you really, how do you inhabit, you know, we, we have this concept as actors of inhabiting the character, right? Mm-hmm. I find that there's an interesting dynamic about inhabiting the story, getting the visceral experience of the world that you're portraying. How do you guys navigate that? And how do you find inspiration in, in order to take yourself deep into the world that you're portraying and then be able to bring it out of you and give it to the people who are listening? I have to read the book beforehand. I know there's some narratives that don't. But I I have a really bad habit of cold reading. I'm just <laughs> uh, I'm writing that into the record. I'm trying to get better. 
I um, I have tried to do that, and the, I'm not going to lie and say that every book I've read beforehand, you know. But I would say that uh, for me, there's got to be um, something that I can relate to ahead of time as I'm going into the booth, and that helps me to kind of get my grounding or my uh, north star, if you will, to just sure. get it overall. And I, I think that's how I work as an actor too. I, I'm big picture. I like to know the whole arc. Right. And then, um, and I think I'm also, uh, I've never been diagnosed as ADD, but I, I can, I can get in for five minutes and be like, I can't get it. This is too long in the booth. So I have to really have a, it, it helps me to have a focus of what is the whole picture here and what is the, the major arc that's going to be happening before I can start chipping away page by page. So that is, uh, kind of my process and, and getting a sense of what each character is coming from, what kind of accents am I going to have to do? What kind of voices? Well, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing better than cold reading three quarters of the way through a book and then coming to the line where he says, he says in his Portuguese accent and you go, (laughs) 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 stop, stop button. Um, Craig, Craig, how do you really uh, inhabit your story and your character? What are some of the techniques that you use in order to really get down into it? Yeah, well, uh, I, I'm a writer as well. And I think one of the ways that I have sold myself and I think been appealing to authors is I, I'm going to look at your work and really try and figure out what's the intention that you have behind it. Um, when I teach uh, script analysis and directing and acting, like it, it always comes back to to, as actors, we want to just jump in and start and, and start saying words and having words come out of our mouth. But right. it actually all comes back to to reading and to understanding exactly what is happening in each moment in the overall story. And so for me, I, you know, there, there's all sorts of different styles of narration. For me personally, I like that third person to have, to be carrying somewhat of the emotional charge of the narrative. Um, mm-hmm. So if it's a sequence where uh, something suspenseful is happening, you know, I am, I, I want to be feeling as I'm reading it the same way the uh, listener should be feeling as they're, uh, as, as they're hearing it. Um, I do a lot of romance in romance. It's, it's uh, you know, it's all about, there's almost always the inner life and the outer life, you know, in, right. in, in, at the beginning of the story, you know, the character's feeling one way and it's usually horrible and they're carrying this weight of the world. And then, you know, they have to act a certain way when they're talking to people. And then of course they, they fall in love. But uh, yeah, I think I, for me, I think it comes about just carrying the point of view with, uh, with the voice. And you know, I, one of the reasons why at times I defend cold reading is because I'm a, I'm a bit of a spontaneity and a, 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 a junkie of the genuine. And, um, you know, there are times where, uh, when I've been working with an author, uh, instead of reading the whole book, what I'll do is I'll ask for a sheet that's a synopsis and then it has a character highlight in it mm-hmm. so that I get a feeling for the character, especially if it's something where I do a lot and have done a lot of uh, supernatural horror uh, work in the past. And so there are times where I don't want to know what's coming up because I want to be able to deliver, to deliver that uncanny feeling that the character is experiencing. But then he winds up speaking, speaking Portuguese <laughs> and I'm, you know, shot myself in the ass again about it. Um, tell you what, folks, we're going to take a really quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about 
something that I, as I said, I am quietly obsessed with. So this is Booth to Booth. That, of course, is April, and that is Craig, and we will be back in just a second. Don't go anywhere. Booth to Booth is brought to you in part by Bootstuff.com, the home of the world's most unique VO casual fashion and swag. You know, this thing that we do is pretty unique. So slap on a Booth Stuff t-shirt that tells the world, or, you know, your cat, that being in a tiny room by yourself is where you truly belong. Shirts, hats, pants, mugs, and more. Well, not a lot more. Actually, that's pretty much it. Anyway, Booth Stuff is the one and only home for VO-centric swag that lets the world know what you do with that mouth of yours. So head on over to BoothStuff.com and get something that shows the world who you are and what you love to do. BoothStuff.com. Loud and proud. And welcome back to Booth to Booth. I am chatting with my new good friends and minor obsession, April, Grace Lowe, and Craig uh, Yesen. Yesen? Is it an E or an A that you lead with? It's like yes and no, but it's yes. Okay, there we go. There, I can remember that. Thank you. Thank you for the mnemonic because that works for my <laughs> diagnosed ADD brain. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, April, you you have a, a a really interesting and inspiring to me story that goes really hand in hand with your voiceover career, and that is suddenly a while ago you started having trouble speaking and trouble with your voice and trouble with a number of things, and I'd wondered if you'd. If you'd possibly uh, be willing to tell us a little bit about your 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 journey in that yeah. regard, uh, so I was diagnosed with trigeminal neuralgia, which is the trigeminal nerve runs along the face. It's a three pronged nerve, so it was my left side of my face, and it started out. I would just wash my face, and I would feel a little shock, um, and I would just kind of brush it off, like oh maybe it was just cold water, and then last. Uh, year, January, I um, started having like electrical shocking. Like it was like, it felt like my face was being electrocuted. And uh, it was so painful that I started to lose the ability to speak. Like I was having to sit frozen. Um, and Craig had to take care of me at this time. He was like blending up my food so that I could um, have food. And uh, I was writing things down on a whiteboard. Um, and so through seeing lots of different practitioners, lots of different doctors, um, neurolo several neurologists, um, I got diagnosed with this uh, nerve disorder. And what it came down to for me was I had had a head injury years ago on stage. And so it can be caused by a head injury. I had a set piece fall and hit me in the face. Mm -hmm. And I had a collapsing pattern. And then I had some dental work done. And uh, so seeing a TMJ specialist that helped kind of straighten out some of the muscles of my face and, um, and also just really tuning into my own nervous system when I was getting stressed out, it was kind of an immediate response I would feel. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a real journey in terms of learning to 
kind of rebalance the muscles of my face and also um, tune into when I'm feeling nervous. And my tendency is just to override it, keep going, push. And this was so Uh. debilitating that I couldn't do that anymore. And so it was a real lesson in boundaries and just making sure that I take care of myself and my body is now my boss as opposed to mm-hmm. all the other things that I was prioritizing. Did um, you struggle with, I mean, because the thing I didn't understand, and I knew this about your background and doing some research, is that this was a recent thing. I thought that maybe this was something that happened like when you were beginning to get into voice work in the industry. This, this was a, a major interruption in not only your your practice as a VO talent, but I would imagine also your income. Yeah. So how did you work? What was your process? I imagine there was either speech practice or speech therapy or vocal training or or how was your, how was your path back? Well, I, um, I had to go on disability. So, um, I, so I was able to maintain some income and, uh, I, I'm a yoga teacher as well as, uh, an actor. And so I actually started doing some face yoga and strengthening some of those muscles um, along this side that was collapsing. And you can even actually see in our web series, my face is the, it's starting, there's a little bit of an imbalance that you can see in that, that has changed even till today. So it's been uh, a little bit of an asymmetry. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Um, so that's been really interesting. And I can tell you after seeing this TMJ specialist that even my voice is stronger. Like the the resonance inside my mouth is easier. And so I was I was coping for our years with this collapse pattern. And that might have been uh why I was so, you know, like in and out of the booth sometimes because I needed a break because my jaw would get tired and things like that. So I'm speaking a lot easier. Um, And so I would recommend anybody that's feeling a lot of jaw tension or a lot of um, clicking or popping to seek uh, some some professional help, because I I do think it can really impact the voice in ways that you don't even realize sometimes. Sure. And it's, I mean, I wouldn't wish, I wouldn't wish what happened to you on anybody. And I try, uh, I feel it's my responsibility to my viewers and listeners uh, to, to say things, you know, straight and unsugared and unvarnished. Uh, so I try not to be a Pollyanna, but you really do sound like you came out of this, not only uh, spiritually enriched by the process of recovery, but also you, you have some real tangible bonuses and benefits your voice is arguably better than it was before it happened totally and i i don't want to be a pollyanna either because there were definitely days where i thought oh man this this is going to be my life like uh trigeminal neuralgia is nicknamed the suicide disease because it's so painful so um and i'm really lucky that i have a partner who was willing to take care of me during that time but um it was definitely a reframe and I will say I still have nerve pain, but I, to me, I, I view it as, as my body really communicating to me when I need to slow down, which I, I didn't slow down. What was that before? You know what I mean? I was right. like, put your head in and, and get it done, you know? It's so, the rise and grind hustle of VO. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I, I feel like it, it, it was a real amazing blessing to be honest. And, um, I also had to change my diet too, just in terms of inflammation and things like that. And mm-hmm. I'm a huge sugar fiend. I have a big sweet tooth. 
And I couldn't even put sugar in my mouth without having pain immediately. So it was a little bit like, um, you know, all those years of trying to not eat sugar, I couldn't, like, there was no way I could because I'd have pain right away. So I will say everything is a blessing and a curse, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, But I I also, um, I think it was tremendous in making me a better artist in that for having a month of not speaking, I was like, I'm never going to uh, take my voice for granted. Like if if I come out of this, I'm going to write, I'm going to perform, I'm going to take so much delight and joy and pleasure in being able to speak that nothing's going to hold me back. So there you go. Um, that was probably the biggest take. And even though I still have days where I'm in a little bit of pain, it's nothing like it was. And um, it's definitely just a little reminder to me that I I can take it easy and and I can prioritize my own body and my own health, which is there you go a gift. There you go. And again, you know, I want to reinforce to people too that one of the things that I think goes missing in the weird and wonderful realm of home voice work that we do is this idea of the rise and grind hustle. And uh, you know, all of us had to do that to start, and some of us continue to push that way. Uh, as a voice coach and an instructor and a mentor, one of the things that I really try to get people to understand is that in much the same way that, you know, my spiritual practice is Buddhism. I've been a Zen meditator for 25 years and Buddha's over my shoulder, my buddy. Um, uh, my, my instructors always say meditation is not a mental exercise. It is a full body exercise. Everything from the heels of your feet to the tip of your head is doing something and is responsible for something. And voiceover is exactly the same thing. We have muscles that we use and we take them for granted. Nobody thinks about their temporomandibular muscle. I mean, it's, you know, until something happens Mm -hmm. and it's taken away from you. And so I, I often encourage people you know, there are going to be times where you just don't want to get into the booth mentally. There's going to be times when you get in the booth and you're just rubber lipped and tripping over yourself all the time. Take a break, step away, go do something else. As we were saying in the break, the closet and the microphone will be there when you get back. Just hopefully nobody stuffed it full of boxes and clothes again. That's all. <laughs> um, but, um, before we move on to the thing, I am way more excited to talk about than I probably should be. Um, Craig, when, when April was going through this, where was it a, a period of reflection for you as well artistically? I mean, obviously the crisis energy of it was, was hot and heavy there in your lap for a while. But how did you navigate it by way of your, your, your practice and, and your narration? Because I imagine at uh, some point you probably were still working and still recording. Uh, was there a feeling kind of of guilt of being in there and being able to be creative while while April wasn't? Or how how, how did the whole experience go for you? Uh, it, it was a pretty existential uh, period of time, I would say. And, and actually, it was um, there. There was an element beyond that, which is that we I, I was um, I'd been hired to direct a uh, a symphony show in Medford, Oregon. Um, called um, the American Journey, and it's this uh, this uh, orchestral piece where there are um, uh, seven, five, 
how many actors? Seven. Se- seven narrators uh, who, who who come out and and uh, give a speech taken from real words of immigrants who came through Ellis Island, and that had uh, that had been set up maybe. I don't know, one or two months before she had her first attack and April was cast Mm -hmm. in that show. And the the way it was set up is I was going to be working with actors remotely. And then we were going to have one week of rehearsal together in Mm -hmm. person and going in for it. And we sort of, we we had, we, we started out in theater. We moved into um, voiceover and film about 10 years ago. And so this was going to be the first time you'd been on stage and, nine or 10 years. Ooh, a, a literal return to stage. And huh? so it, it, it's always this, it, there was this big thing that she was really excited for, but then at the same time she couldn't speak. And so I was in this position and, and this is, uh, if you want to speak about guilt where I was like, I, you know, her, her well being was obviously my number one priority and her sure. getting better. I was also responsible for this show. I didn't want to recast her. Um, and so I, and I, I didn't want to do anything that would inhibit her mentally in her recovery. And I, I made a decision, which it, it sounds perhaps trivial now, but at the time I was really just um, racked with it and, and got advice from different friends. And it had less to do with the decision, more to do with the fact that I didn't tell April, which is that there was a, another actress in the show who, who's a, a longtime friend of ours. She's in our wedding. Who, who, oh, okay. And, yeah, and very I, close friend. And she knew what was happening with April. I said, listen, would you understudy her her role? I don't want to tell her that you're understudying this because I don't, I don't want her to have a mental model of anything other than her getting well enough to uh, – to go on and do it. And so that was the thing I was really guilty about. And, and that, that was sort of at the axis of your recovery because that. I'd started to feel better, but it was like two steps forward, one step back. And then he confessed to me, Hey, our friend Angela, and she's actually in the web series. She's going to, she said she'd be willing to understudy for you. And it was a huge relief. It was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Thank God. Like I'm, yeah. you know, I don't want to be out on this tightrope alone <laughs> right now. So knowing yeah. that there's somebody there, mm-hmm. uh, I imagine probably alleviated a little bit of the stress and probably totally. made it easier for you because yeah. you knew, well, look, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to try to deliver and try to move forward with this. But at least I know that I don't have the the entire weight of this bearing down on my ability to perform in the event I can't. Yeah. And I also have to say during that time, Craig's, you know, talking about this show, but he was holding it stoically in terms of how he was caring for me. But then I would see him at times like break down or cry, you know, in another room. So I know that he was holding it together for my benefit, but it was a hard time for him as well. So I think just speaking to the caretakers of those that care for others, it's not, it's not easy. Well, it's, it, it, your, your stories are both, uh, incredibly inspiring to me personally, because, you know, I've, I've in, in the the craziness of the, the last three years, I've lost more people than I care to speak about. Um, and, you know, I want to reaffirm to our viewers and listeners that what we do is still a human pursuit and we're still <laughs> ugly bags of mostly water and uh, we're, we're fragile things. And you're not going to be able to keep pursuing something if you don't really listen to your body 
uh, and, and, and listen to your life and your circumstances. I spend so much time with, with coaching clients, uh, you know, and I coach, I specialize in coaching the very beginning people. I mean, I do, I work with a number of narrators who work for large, uh, large networks, you know, broadcast networks as well, but I really focus on the beginning people and, and, and letting them, letting them have a safe space to experience this and come up with uh, a new take on their genuine voice. And sometimes that necessitates really stepping back. I, I often tell people, uh, I didn't write a how-to book. I wrote a should I book. And mm -hmm. I, in coaching, I, I'm not there to tell you what to do. I'm there to illustrate how it can be done. But I'm also there to facilitate your discovery of, is this really a thing for me? And sometimes it might be, but you got to step back and be able to come at it and look at it from a different perspective. And your, your story, I want, I encourage my listeners and viewers to, to remember the human in the equation, you know, because we're not going to be able to be the best actors and the best narrators that we can be if we constantly keep trying to push ourselves past these limits that our body and at times our minds and our spirits tell us, no, this is a line right now and I, I need it respected. Come back tomorrow and I'll have more gas in the tank. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to shift gears pretty abruptly here because <laughs> our viewers and listeners, or our viewers at least, well, it's an interesting dynamic right there. Our viewers notice a particular style of microphone <laughs> Proudly crowning itself into view. Um, I imagine a lot of our listeners might not. Um, you know, when we get into voice acting and, you know, we're doing, we're, 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 we're suffering the analysis paralysis of all the wonder that the internet will deliver to us instantly and doing all the reading about what do I get? How do I treat the room? We often get told by very experienced people that USB mics, if you want to be taken seriously, if you want to get work, if you want to build a career in voiceover, they immediately take a gigantic steaming dump on top of USB mics. That there is one of the most maligned USB mics on earth. You guys are coming to me live through a blue Yeti and you Probably. sound fantastic. Um, uh, who's responsible for the blue Yeti purchase? I want to know. Um, I'm going to say Jessica, Jessica. Yeah. yeah my yeah? friend, she you guys said, had hey, it this... recommended. Yeah. Who she's... I will say she has moved on to like all she sorts has... of complicated. Yeah. Her system is, and she's got a beautiful booth and, yeah. um, but, but we're still hanging on to this, this sucker. You're but... still hanging on to that. You're still in the closet. <laughs> well, we have, we have, ain't... we have two. Oh, and, and, and therein lies a tale that I, I, I wanted to tell, which is, oh, uh, do. so, so, so we had started with, uh, the blue snowball as April had mentioned. Right. And as great mm -hmm. as that is, it, you know, it, it really doesn't have the muscle that the Yeti has, you know, I, I, no, I, it doesn't I say that. And so we, we had got, we had upgraded to a Yeti. It was working very well. I, I got picked up, as I said, by, by a group, this is, you know, 12, 11, 12 years ago. And. Uh, we started doing books together, and, and um, uh, at that time, people still thought that duet narration, and, and duet narration is still done. Uh, for those who, who don't know, dual narration is the term for uh, when you have 
a book with a with two points of view and usually in romance the uh, the male narrator reads the male chapters the female narrator reads the female chapters um, so you're you're splitting the load. Duet narration, everything is interpolated. So mm-hmm. whether it's the male chapter or the female chapter, the man is always doing the male's voice. The woman is always doing the woman's voice. And right. so uh, we we had gotten a, a three book deal for that. We ended up doing six books total this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and with the first set trying to figure out how to do it, we said, okay, we're, we, we've got this sort of closet set up with the booth. Uh, we could use the second half of the the other half of the closet, which there's a dividing wall between them. Set up mm-hmm. a, a, a mic there, so we were facing away from each other, but back to back with a wall between us, so we could hear each other. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and we narrated live at the same time. The second Yeti that we bought had this high pitched wine in it. Wine, and I. Uh- I, I can and, t- I can actually I can actually tell you the series and the <laughs> the skew spec of that microphone because it was notorious that problem. We returned it seven times. Oh jeez. <laughs> we oh. we kept sending it because we had the other one, so we knew what it was supposed to sound like. Yeah. Sure. And so we got the new one said, nope, this this it, no. And I, I think there must have been like a shipment or something that got dropped or something, but it was literally and all s- of the capsules in all of those mics. <laughs> yeah. But but that, finally that, that might be the problem. Seven everybody s- got one out of that box. <laughs> so if you if you bought a blue yeti and it's got that high pitch wine, return it and get another one because you, <laughs> there you you've, go. gotta, you've gotta find the, the oranges among the lemons. Le- lessons learned, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of these people where even as a VO educator, I still get dragged for not shitting all over USB microphones and particularly the Blue Yeti. I personally find that it is out of most of the original batch of USB microphones that came right after the Snowball um, all the way up until about 2016 or so when we got the new batch of USB mics that had you know DSP built in and all that stuff. I find the Blue Yeti to be one of the most easily engineerable sounds there is. And if you use it right, and if you make sure that you don't run your USB cable over a power transfer cable, mm-hmm. uh, and and take a, a few steps differently by way of acoustic treatment, and it doesn't need to be a whole lot, uh, I keep telling people there's an industry where that microphone earned millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars for people narrating audiobooks. So shut your mouth. It's just, it's, it's not really a, a valid argument for me anymore. Uh, we're going to switch over here now because I desperately want to talk about this new project that you guys have done. And this is how you guys became visible to me. Uh, again, my audience knows that I do uh, moderation on one of the larger uh, discussion groups. And um, I saw a post only a few days ago from somebody who was putting up a web project that looked interesting at first glance. And as a moderator, I went and checked the link and I was immediately sucked in. Uh, You guys are doing a web series that you are calling jaw recorder and it features voice actors in closets. And uh, I, I got to tell you guys, a it's delightful. It's hilarious and I feel so seen. I feel more seen in this 
in this project that I have in any other media thing that I've, I mean, even going back to news radio, uh, that to me is fake. You're literally standing in your closet and I am just absolutely engrossed by this. Tell me how this came about and give us the origin story. Well, I was, um, I think I was inspired by just the constant interruptions and the frustrations. And I, I would just have to laugh my way through them because everybody that does this business, you know, that there's those days, like you said, you can't speak or you, your neighbor is doing something or it's the leaf blower or it's just your stomach. But, um, just by the nature of my own disposition of laughing through it, I I would think to myself, gosh, I should be recording this. This is hilarious how much I'm getting interrupted. And um, probably seven years ago, I started to think about this idea. And um, I finally had enough courage to kind of pitch it to Craig one day. And I think you were the one that came up with the, you know, you should do it in the law and order voice with the, you know, in the romance audiobook. <laughs> no, that was your, that was your idea. You're- in the audiobook production system, listeners will often leave reviews on the narrator's performance. These reviews can affect the sales of the book and also whether the narrator is hired again. That was, well, anyways, that was all your it was idea. one of my ideas yeah. and I finally pitched it and he, he said, yeah, that's funny. You should write that down. And he's, always been the writer in our relationship. We've produced several things that we've kind of co-written. Um, mm-hmm. But this was the first time of me kind of just doing my own thing. And 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 so maybe I'm just so used to giving you credit, Craig. But, <laughs> but this is my first thing to just say like, okay, I'm going to write this. And I have tons of narrator friends. And it was really during the pandemic when I said, well, we got time, let's all get on Zoom and let's read the script and, and tell me what you think. And um, I got good feedback and it was fun to see other narrators doing their thing and um, and hearing their support. And I have a really good friend that's a avid romance audiobook listener. And she said, this is hilarious. I've always wanted to know how this was done. Yeah. Um, how the sausage gets yeah, made. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it just became uh, just really fun to flesh it out. And then when I got diagnosed with trigeminal neuralgia, I was like, all right, if I can, if I can come out of this, I got to make this thing. I'm not going to hold it back and doubt myself anymore. Like now or never. So. From adversity comes art. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And w- give us a, a little synopsis without spoilers, because I don't want to know the ending yet. Um, <laughs> give us a little synopsis of what the story is about. Obviously, it's about a uh, it's, it involves narration, but really, what's what's the the story arc? What's going on? Yeah, so it is about Joslyn, who is a audiobook romance audiobook narrator, and she is kind of pining for her uh, dual narrator that she's, you know, booked a a gig with. And so she's working with him. Also, she is kind of frustrated by her new neighbor that just moves in. And she's trying to meet this deadline. And uh, hijinks ensue, I'll say. (laughs) Right. Uh, And to be clear to our audience, this is something that is, for lack of a better way of describing it, it's serialized. You guys, I think we're now, what, episode eight and episode Mm -hmm. nine is going to come out in March. Um, And I love that kind of treatment because it keeps me coming back. And at the same time, it is a little bit, it's mindful of the, not the attention span, but the available time of the viewer. Mm -hmm. You're telling nice little concise bits of story 
that once the whole thing is done and out there, you have an entire, what, it's going to be roughly an hour or a little bit over. Yeah, probably about. 90 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a features film worth of Editing, work. yeah, for sure. Right, and yeah, and wow. I got to credit Craig. He's, he's the editor. He's done an incredible job editing this thing together. So that it, it moves and it's quick and it keeps your attention You span. are absolutely right. And I was going to reach through the camera and pat him on the back <laughs> because one of the things that did strike me about this, you know, being that I sit in a room with lights and cameras and I've spent a ridiculous amount of money over the pandemic trying to build myself up for that YouTube look, um, <laughs> you guys nailed the look and the pacing and the editing of this it uh, i i wouldn't be surprised if i walked by my wife on saturday afternoon and she was watching this on a network it's that level of production and uh again craig your your editing is fantastic there were some shots in there by way of camera work were you doing the camera work or is yeah. do you, are you have well, we shot with three different cameras, so just so that you mm-hmm. have a sense of we. But yeah, I'm the cinematographer. Totally, but yeah. also, uh, you know, just so that he had, he was also working with a variety of tools. Sure, yeah. and uh, th- that was the thing. I don't want to I don't want to give away any spoilers because I really do want people to go into this fresh and cold in order to have the full experience. But I will say, uh, I got to ask you one thing, Craig, and it's been driving me nuts since I, think I, I know saw what it. it is. How'd you get the shot when they're sitting on the Epis- apartment steps? Ep- episode eight. Would you milk? I have I've milk. I'm serious. Yeah. Let me finish this. And I'll get you some milk. No, I think I only have cream. Do you want some cream? No. I don't want cream. Yeah, I mean, if you got the spicy, it does the same thing. Oh, gross. It, 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 You're it, gross. It, no, no. It, it, it's it's <coughs> even like, like medicine. Well, spicy is like medicine. But then the cream is like another medicine that counteracts the first medicine. I'm only dairy. Is that a is that a drone? So uh, I, I I I knew that was what you're going to ask me. I'm I absolutely, so, I am knew. so glad you Seriously, asked about this. I sat back in my chair and I was like, "How the hell does a one man show pull that shot off?" So we're 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 Wait, sitting. First of all, this was mm-hmm. a huge fight for. Well, oh, fights okay. a strong <laughs> fights a strong am word. I, am I stirring something up? Fights. Am I going to be held accountable? I mean, for we this? we're passionate artists. What's, you know? what's fun right. about it is is that it's all on tape because the camera was rolling as we were having this conversation because we we. <laughs> didn't get up to turn it off yeah. so that's going to be on the bonus disc it, it, it will be on the bonus disc <laughs> yes we're, we're basically so we have uh, we're not spoiling anything but we have we have the shot there that where we have the dialogue and that and that's it and april says you know i really want i really want to get a drone shot to end this episode and i was like honey i'm sitting here i'm in the shot i can't I can't be sitting and then smash cut to I'm sitting there and operating <laughs> while uh, it, it's it's the the control is hidden out of camera. It's under it's, the tray. Yeah, I'm. I, it is. Yeah, because that's just it. I was going. You either had a friend who you trusted with this ridiculously expensive flying toy, or you figured out some way to possibly pre-program in telemetry, or you had something hidden, and I will I will pass it off to right you. There. I I did not I did not see your sleight of hand was good enough that I sat back and marveled. 
So that illusion, that illusion has been sold to me, and now we've broken it for everybody. <laughs> well, I, I have to give April credit though for having the vision to uh, to make. You know, she was like Steve Jobs yelling at his engineers. You know, make this. I don't know how this works because I'm not an engineer, but you better make it. It's not possible. Oh, it is possible. This is what I pay you people for. Yeah. Um, this is why we have people. Uh, again, the the production value. I think you know the story standalone is great. The interaction of the characters is fantastic. Your acting is obviously uh, on par with anything that's currently being generated by networks. Obviously, you really have tapped in to a deep well of talent with your friends and relations. Um, but th- for me, the editing and the visual storytelling of it, uh, you know, when we were talking before we started recording, one of the things that struck me is I, I w- would call it attention to detail by way of voice acting life, but really it's, it's less attention to detail because what struck me after, especially after I watched the last episode is that there's no attention to detail. You're literally showing us your, your life, the narrator life. That's the kind of, these are the kind of artifacts that we have laying around. We have two, three, four layers of black nylons over pop filters. We, we, you know, we, we have, and again, all respect to the dog clickers of the world. He slowly sit his hand. I mean, it was just absolutely delightful to see you. And not only that, but, you know, your, your monitor, your, your monitor outside your booth and your monitor in your booth and all the things, all the little things that we as narrators and professional voice talents, it's just normally it's invisible. If we ever see a portrayal of narration somewhere in, in media, it always looks much sexier than it really is. (laughs) And, you know, I, I, again, I was, I was absolutely beside myself and thrilled to see that one of your, your other actors who is playing against you, April, uh, you know, this, this super, the super desirable voiceover guy, (laughs) You know, he comes, he comes FaceTiming into you and he's literally got all his clothes around him. <laughs> and know? that's his real booth. <laughs> that, that, and there that's, you go. That's, that's where he does his, his work as an audiobook narrator. <laughs> and you show that proudly. There's no yeah. shame. You know, it, 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 it's, it's just so charming. And again, oh. I, I know that I said this in a way that kind of sounds uh, a little bit superfluous, but I really did feel seen. It feels like one of the very first times on something that's not like a dumb fat old man talking head show about voiceover on YouTube. This really was kind of a a, a charming artistic portrayal of this really weird thing that a bunch of us do and, and not only do, but love deeply, Uh, you know, the ability to dive into that world and, you know, yeah, pull the curtain back a little bit and see how the sausage is made. I think uh, what your friend said, uh, your audiobook lover friend is, is, really kind of key it, it's going to for some people i imagine it might ruin the illusion but i think for other people it's going to add another layer of enjoyment as a listener to know wait a minute you were standing in your closet this whole time when you were talking about rolling around uh, uh, on the beach with your lover and i was there with you but now now it's no it's i i think it's only going to expand the public's consciousness on what it takes to do these things 
You know, not yeah. everybody is, 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 uh, you know, Benny Ben cucumber patch narrating Lord <laughs> of the Rings in the BBC studios. A lot of us are standing in rooms that smell like old sneakers. <laughs> it's, true. it's so, so true. I um, did, I did get that feedback from one of, once, you know, you show your script to a couple of different people and they were like, you know, what? why not have her be in like such a, like a, like a, a nice booth and things. And I felt like, well, no, this is the work and the specificity is the, the joy of it and seeing absolutely like all of those things. So I'm so glad that you appreciated it because there was a moment when I thought, Oh, well maybe I should look, maybe she should be like the best narrator out there, but I just don't think that's realistic. And we like the camera view. Yeah. I want to see the camera view into the trenches because we've been so, so unrepresented for so long. And so many people don't understand that world-class quality level narration comes out of some of the most surprising places on earth. Although I got to admit that your booth looked pretty cool because you had the sliding mirror door and not the cheap hollow door, you know, that, that seems to just, you know, treat the entire space like a bass drum for every single mouse movement outside of it. Um, Although I will say that was uh, Craig's headache in terms of trying to shoot and make sure that the camera wasn't seen in the mirror. <laughs> oh yeah, there must have been some weird angles you had to yeah, take up in order to stay. Out. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Though. Um, I thought I thought it was uh, such a that in that first episode where she shuts the. You know, the, the, in your scene, I don't know. I, I thought it was a really no, cool it, element to play with. It jumped out as, at me as well. I was like, "Well, that looks perpendicular. How did you get that shot? Did, you, did he green screen that door so he could?" <laughs> no, it 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 the the illusion sold really really well. Um, is this something that you guys are envisioning being a larger project? Are we going to? Are we going to get season two? Are we going to? Yeah, you know, I yeah. I have aims for doing season two. I mean, we're still seeing how season one rolls out and how, how sure. it's received. But, Some really fun ideas for season two. We definitely have around. ideas. Yeah. And um, I know we're on that Reddit board. So if anybody has any ideas for season two, feel free to throw them down for us. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds great. Um, I, I'm going to reference one specific scene uh, in in the show, and uh, we'll we'll cut to it in a second. But again, this just goes to the the true authenticity of what you're portraying. So let me roll this, and then we'll come back and talk about it. In the romance audiobook production system, there are two kinds of narrators: those that do character voices, and those that do not do character voices. These are their stories. Hey, lady, you on your way? Yep, I'm just taking the last curler out. Oh, sweet, I got a table in the back by the fire, so just... Hold on, I've got a... Jocelyn. Ah, oh, shit. Hello? Hello? Hey, Carly, sorry about that. I... Hold on. Richard. Jocelyn? Wow, you actually look nice. Thanks, I was just going out. What's up? Good news. Layla just emailed. She wants to book us for the rest of the series. Yay! Double yay. Two more books, maybe three. She's not sure if it's a trilogy or a forgy. Forgy? Quartet. Whatever. Well, I gotta say, I really loved your narration. I know, but you don't have to listen to my chapters. I'm doing the proofing. I know, I was listening just in case you were doing any character voices. Yeah, I don't really do character voices. They all pretty much sound like this. Sexy. 
Women are gonna swoon. Oh, man. They'll do more than swoon if you've read my reviews. I was signing autographs once at a romance convention, and you should have heard what these women were saying. None of them were my type. Not anyone's type, really. Like, eating bonbons in the basement, swipe left all day type. But, at least I can give them this. So, yeah, see, when I was talking about realism and the genuine portrayal of life in the booth, um, that, that scene for me where you're, you're talking to your narration partner who obviously there's some kind of energy going on between you or you're hoping to have energy go on between you and your girlfriend getting a listen in on the whole thing at the same time while you're in rollers um, and, and also understanding and this is something that you do wind up discovering a little bit when you get into this industry and that is talents and people who you might respect and and feel some affinity for either by way of craft or by way of their personality that they're portraying don't turn out to be the people they might have first come across to be so uh, I just, I enjoyed that scene so much. And then the other one that I really enjoyed, of course, was the one, uh, eating cake. Um, and I'm just going to leave that there for people to be a surprise. Um, yes, how there. much, how much of your experience in jaw recorder is born of real life? And I know the answer, but I'll let you say it publicly. <laughs> oh, it's definitely born of real life. I mean, the, yeah. uh, the, constant interruptions and the uh just the nature of being in an industry where you are recording there have been some moments where i play things back and i'm like oh my gosh i can't believe what i captured there one time craig got stung by a bee in the booth mp3 is still on the desktop we just laughed about that because the sound i will not i will not be so forward as to ask for that oh you can have Um, it you can can, that'll make a good stinger for the episode I just put in a I just put in a quality rim shot there. I promise you, I would I wouldn't leave a brother hanging like that. I will um, also say that we definitely you know keep watching because that whole dynamic between uh, me and Cody Cody's the actor that plays Richard. Uh, mm-hmm. More to be more to come down the, I, the line on that season. I, I, I want to tell a little story. I'm not going to name names because oh, I, I could yeah, get in trouble. Ahead. But. Um, to your, your your point about how sometimes when you meet these people, they're not quite how you expect. So uh, Cody, uh, who, who plays Richard, was nominated for an Audi a few years ago. Uh, and mm, so I, yeah. I went to New York with him as his date. And um, and there uh, in uh, also at the event was a, a very well-known uh, audiobook narrator who um, we had both met because he worked at a, a, a certain Shakespeare festival in Oregon, uh, while we were students there and, and we'd met him and um, and I went up and introduced myself to this person and said, oh, hi, you know, we, we met a number of years ago and, uh, you know, such fans, some gushing, gushing, whatever. And he sure. literally looked at me and said, uh-huh. And he just turned and walked away. It happens. <laughs> you get big timed in this industry, even by people whose faces we don't recognize. Yeah, uh, that, that that's happened to me on a couple different occasions as well. Going out to, uh, I went to a, a voiceover convention 
that uh, actually I could say the name because it's no longer a functioning convention, but I went to a big voiceover convention about eight years ago and, you know, I was a uh, uh, nobody, uh, but I was there representing a, a publishing house and yeah, did have somebody say literally and say to me, and you are, I, I got the literal and you are. Like, why are you wasting my time? Mm. Um, but, you know, th- to stand up for our industry, uh, I find those to be the exception and not the rule. So I much keep the exception. Telling people, yeah, we are such a giving community. And we actually, we seem to find a way to keep inviting people in and not looking at them as competition. And there are so yeah. few industries that you can say that about. And even compared to other acting, because I thought about that when we were chatting earlier, how, you know, uh, when we were in New York, April would go in for these auditions and she's sitting in a room full of people who all look like strange mirror dimension versions of herself, right. um, you know, 50 of them. <laughs> but w- with audiobooks, it's, we had this friend who brought us into it. We brought other friends into it. Like there's, n- there's so many books, there's so many books to be read. It's not as though you can read them all. I think that sort of lends to the congeniality of it with the vast majority of audiobook narrators are nice, sweet, often introverted people who, you know, just want to tell a story. I also In a closet, in the closet. <laughs> I also kind of wanted this to be a series that kind of, like to those that are just beginning to see how this works and what, what it looks like. And because I think it, it demystifies it in a nice way. And for- I think that that is the thing that honestly endeared me to it the most. I, you know, I, I looked at everything that you guys were putting on the screen and, and I have, I have touchstones that are exactly like that, only different. They're just my unique ones. But that's the thing that I think really fosters that camaraderie. Mm -hmm. None of us started out in a whisper booth. None (laughs) of us started out with a Newman microphone, no matter how you want to pronounce it, even though it's Neumann. Uh, You know, we, we all started with USBs. Or maybe if you were once in a band, you came away with, you know, like, like, like a 58 or something like that, you know? That shared experience of, and it really is kind of a shared experience of absurdity. We're just, what we do is so weird and we have to go through all these strange machinations and wait, you're in your closet, isn't it? Where are your clothes? And, you know, and immediately go, that's what dressers are for. Um, that that sharing of this experience and a little bit about how, how the sausage is made. I immediately sat back uh, and you, you know, April, you guys had me. When in the first episode, the stomach growl happened. The sweat drip. The sweat drip. I was just like, (laughs) hallelujah. Somebody (laughs) understands. And it was, it was so refreshing to see something that, again, so incredibly well edited and well shot and cinematic. I'll just say flat out, your look is cinematic. It looks beautiful. The color grading, by the way, even for a colorblind guy, the color grading that you guys did, that you did, uh, is absolutely flat out perfect. Mm. Um, no solarizations, nothing like that. It all looks great and it flows, but it's also so human. And so fun to go along with this. It, it, it really, I, I have nothing but good things to say about it. It is just wonderful what you guys are doing. Oh, thank you so much. It feels so good to hear it, um, especially after the year we've had. And I also, um, I hope that it just brings out the humanity of all 
audiobook voiceover work, um, especially with all the AI stuff that's going on, like just to just to show that piece of it too, that we're humans and that we're um, making great art. And uh, I think that's irreplaceable. And no AI is ever going to have to say, I need to clean out my closet in order to go do a quality voiceover. That That's just, that's the secret sauce. That's the magic in the mix. All right. us people standing in the darkness of our closets trying to tell stories. Uh, you know, the best thing AI could say is I live in a black box and I don't know who my neighbors are. Um, so the next episode, and this is the final episode of this arc, is that There's- kind of... Three more episodes. Yeah, so oh, it's 11 episodes. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> oh, so you're right. It is going to wind up timing in at about 90 minutes full runtime. Yeah. Okay. Um, after that, what else have you guys got going on that you want to make sure the public is aware of? So we produced a feature film that just finished its film festival run. Um, and it, it had a pretty successful film festival run. We won uh, several awards. Nine, oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And Ooh. so we're... Nine, eight, several. Nine is nine. Yeah. Nine, nine is nine. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Thanks, Dad. Um, And so we're trying to shop that around, but we're in the process of maybe turning it into um, a pilot and uh, taking Mm. the film and... uh, writing it for TV, kind of dabbling in uh, this web series and seeing how it is to write a... a Episodic? Yeah. Felt like, oh, well, maybe we'll expand on this film. So it's... Yeah, it's, a, it's a big world. We, we, we wrote that script together. It's called Beyond Methuselah. You can, it's a website, beyondmethuselah.com, if people yeah. want to see the trailer. And I will Absolutely. say that our foray into... Um, audiobooks and sound editing and sound engineering is what laid the groundwork for making films. Like once you have kind of unpacked how to become a narrator and how to do sound engineering. And I will say when it comes to independent films, a lot of times it's the sound that, um, absolutely. Yeah. So if you can learn that skill then, and you're willing to do the work that Craig has done. I shouldn't say we, that he's done in terms of learning how to edit and, and shoot and all of that. Um, it, it, it was kind of a next step for us. Yeah. Our, our first feature, uh, which is called a promise of time travel. What will you change if you could? Everything. You know, we were just learning how to do, all of the film stuff. And so the camera work is, is much more stationary. It's, but mm-hmm. um, when we went around to festivals, people were just like, how did you get the sound to be so good? Yeah, that's and what everybody was asking. Us. And it, oh. it, it comes down to, you know, we were coming to that from the booth. And to me, the thing about film sound that's so amazing is it's so forgiving compared to 
Uh, yeah, this. It, yeah, oh, God, it, it, yeah, exactly. And uh, and so if you know how to be placing the mic and you know how to be capturing things correctly on set and how to treat it afterwards and so forth, you know, it 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 does it doesn't seem hard to me, but that's because it's coming from all of these years of you know really uh, the, the much harder sound engineering of uh, yeah. Suddenly you feel like you have elbow room. Like, oh, wait, it doesn't need to be negative 60 dB in this environment. Actually, oh, I, I, I'm supposed to capture room tone? Oh, okay. That's great. That's refreshing. So, um, listen, guys, as we wrap up here, um, uh, you know, do the standard rundown, do the socials where people can find you, all that stuff. And by all means, make sure to tell people where they can go see Jaw Recorder. Well, you can just go to jawrecorder.com. J-A-W recorder yes that's convenient yes so watch it all on <laughs> jawrecorder.com and then you can follow us at doubtless dreamers on instagram all one word yeah and da- okay. and you can also see all of our film projects um at the website doubtlessdreamers.com yeah so. there you go april and uh you know craig this has been an absolute joy and it's uh I, I, I'd like to say that I'm inspired by you, but that doesn't really cover it as somebody who has been down in the trenches like this for a long time. And at the same time, having, you know, worked through my own levels of adversity uh, and, and you know, April, obviously uh, you've been an inspiration, but Craig, you're also an inspiration to me in seeing how, uh, two people can really come together and support each other through adversity. And not only that, but find communal places of inspiration for the art that you guys both love and share together. And I, I just want to say that uh, I'm you got a fan for life and that I'm going to make sure that as many people as possible uh, know about what you're doing, because I want more people to be inspired in the voiceover community to, uh, to understand what you guys just learned. And that is there are so many skills, both technical and artistic skills that you can develop essentially for free or with a shitty USB microphone <laughs> that actually translates into bigger and, and more, more broad and grandiose artistic pursuits. And really you can cut your teeth in a way that just opens up a whole new world for you. And you guys have are just uh, absolute shining examples of that. So, uh, April, Craig, I uh, absolutely adore what you've done. I'm so grateful that you guys were able to join us here on Booth to Booth. And uh, I really hope that we get to uh, have you guys both back on after next season when uh, we, we get to uh, see the fruition. Uh, and again, no spoilers, <laughs> but Craig, it, Craig isn't only the cameraman in this series and uh yeah i'm on board i'm on board the whole way thank you so much andrew i really appreciate it and the next time we're in portland we will definitely reach out absolutely yep we still have most of uh, the, the covid took out a number of our significant restaurants but we still have some of the most important ones and uh again we still know how to roast coffee and we'll still send it to california <laughs> and make right. california money on it so again thank you guys so much both of you but until next time everybody that's april that's craig i'm andrew this has been booth to booth and we'll see you in the booth bye-bye From the beautiful Pacific Northwest, this has been Booth to Booth with Andrew Scott. 
Booth to Booth is a narrow band broadcast network production in association with andrewscottmedia.com. Andrew Scott, executive producer. Our theme music was written and produced by Ron Kajawa. Website design and maintenance by Vacano Creative. Christopher Vacano, webmaster. Available at vacanocreative.com. Audio and video production by Andrew Scott. Available at andrewscottmedia.com. Got topic ideas, questions, or comments for the show? Email us at patchin at booth2booth.com or by simply clicking the link in the description. On behalf of host Andrew Scott, I'm Eric Murray. From our booth to yours, thanks for joining us. See you next time on Booth to Booth. Out. That brilliant, hey. guys. This is a blast. This Thank you. This is so fun. Good. Uh, anybody need a refreshment or a break I'm or stand anything? Up just to stretch my yeah. legs. I was then. just gonna say, do the stretch. <laughs> uh, now I, I hear your hatha, your hatha yoga, right? Yeah. Oh, so, okay. I I was married to a BKS uh, BKS Iyengar instructor oh, yeah. for the better part of a decade. So if I suddenly see a butt, I'll just say it's downward facing dog, and everything will be everything will be fine. <laughs> right. I, I, and I'll and I'll cut that out in the edit. I promise. <laughs> It's not going to make the B-roll? No, well, I didn't say <laughs> that. Yeah, uh, very good with that, Craig. I, ca- I caught what you did there. That's good. NBBN. The Narrow Band Broadcast Network. The focus is on you. Ah, ah, ah. Ah. Oh, that really stings.